This is James from podcast.co and you're listening to Meet the Podcasters. In this interview, I speak with Colin Gray, who runs The Podcast Host, one of the most popular sites on the web for podcasting advice, and Colin is also the founder of Alitu, which is a clean and simple piece of software for speeding up your podcast editing process. We cover lots of interesting topics in this episode, including why podcasts are such great tools for learning, striking a balance between entertaining and informing your listeners, how to repurpose your episodes into text and video as efficiently as possible, and why releasing your podcast in seasons can be hugely beneficial to your own sanity. If you'd like to check out some of the highlights and actionable takeaways from this conversation in written format, you can find a summary article on the podcast.co website. And if you enjoy the episode, you can subscribe on your preferred podcast listening app. With that out of the way, this is Meet the Podcasters, Episode 3 with Colin Gray. So, first of all, uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Colin. That's all right. Most welcome. Um, So, you've been running the podcast host for quite a few years now, which has become one of the most prominent and helpful sites on the web when it comes to podcasting advice. When you Google anything podcasting related, the podcast host is you know, pretty much always in the, in the first page of results. But for our listeners who might not be aware, could you give us a brief outline of what you do and the different things you're involved with? Yeah, sure. I mean, the podcast host website started back in 2011 just as a blog about podcasting. It was just me writing about the stuff that I was finding out as I was learning to podcast myself. And it grew into this big written resource about how to run a show, how to run a successful show. And these Mm -hmm. days, we've just continued doing that. That's the primary part of it still. It's that free content. It's that blog, just writing about, you know, what the best mics are out there, how to find a good hosting site, how to grow your show on social or run a blog around your podcast or all these different questions. So most of my day and most of my team's day is still just writing content Um, Mm. and obviously creating podcasts as well. So we create a podcast around that called Podcraft too. Uh, So content is still a huge part of what we do. But it leads to the other things, obviously, that helps run the business, which is our two main things are our academy. So we have the Podcast Host Academy, which is where we work with people one-to-one. Uh, we have coaching and courses and stuff in there. It's just our membership site, really, where people can mm-hmm. learn how to run a podcast. Uh, and then we've got Alitu as well. So Alitu is our software. It's our web app, which is uh, a podcast maker. Uh, so you can upload your audio. We do a lot of processing on it. So we make it sound good, like uh, noise reduction, like leveling, all that kind of stuff. And then you can do editing in there too. So it's a really simplified editor, makes it really quick and easy to edit your show. And a big drag and drop sort of episode builder as well. So you can pull in adverts, you can pull in different sections and you can move them around and, and produce the show the way you want to without the complications of something like, you know, Pro Tools or Edition or Audacity. Uh, and mm. we publish it as well. So we give you the final episode and publish it to podcast hosting platforms like yourself, like Podcast.co. Yeah. Um, and we do that for you as well. So that's the, the two main parts of it really that's how we how we make money as a business more than anything else is the the academy for coaching the the alitu for the software and then the content really just powers all that's how people find us interesting and kind of before all the this kind of business side took off um with the podcast hosts um you came from a background an academic background uh, if i'm correct and one of the things you were involved with in the past was um, using podcasts to enhance student learning um, and 
I kind of I did my uh, master's in science communication, and I was really interested in how podcasts can communicate kind of complex ideas. So I was I, I was interested to find out a bit more from you about why you feel podcasting as a medium is so effective in that kind of educational context. I think the way certainly the way it worked for me uh, and the universities that I worked with back in the day was. It's, I mean, it's a big part of the power of podcasting, whether it's education or entertainment or inspiration, is it's that one-to-one engagement you get with the listener. So you're the host, you're speaking into the microphone, but for some reason, it's just way more personal than video. So there's like a glass screen in between you and the presenter with video or with mm-hmm. video. People often find it quite hard to be really natural on video. It's quite it's quite a difficult thing to be a really natural presenter on video. But with podcasting, it's just it feels quite normal. Once you get, you know, just a few episodes in, it feels quite natural just speaking to your listener. And there's just the, the way that you're speaking into the microphone. You feel like you're speaking to just one person. It's like a mm-hmm. one to one conversation. It's really personal, really intimate. So there's something really, really kind of close and engaging about listening to a podcast it's like that person is just talking to you and as a learner that's what you want you don't want to be you know listening as part of a huge crowd you want this person Mm -hmm. to be just speaking personally to you teaching you individually so that's a big part of it that's one of the big powers of podcasting is that kind of one-to-one connection and it, it makes learning it makes teaching really powerful for me But Mm. the other part of it, the second part that kind of amplifies that to me is the attention that you get in podcasting. Like you, Mm. you've all, all of it, (laughs) everyone out there listening to this has probably gone to watch a a YouTube video to learn how to do something, but you often get distracted or bored within a couple of minutes because there's all this Mm -hmm. other stuff on the screen. You know, there's all these videos down the right hand side or your emails popping up with a notification or something or other is distracting you from that learning. So YouTube and other video just struggles for attention. But with podcasting, people listen for half an hour or an hour or three hours even. It's just crazy how long people listen. And it's because of the listen, it's because of the context that you're listening in. You know, you're you're distracted by something else and you just want some, sorry, well, you're bored by something else often and you want a distraction. So you're, you're on the bus, so you're driving a car or you're mowing your lawn or cooking your dinner, something like that. And therefore... You just want something to keep you going. And so you just listen. You listen for a long time. So you get that attention. So it means that, you know, you can put out some learning material, like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, and people will listen for that long. They'll actually take in quite a lot of that material because there's less room for distraction. So I think the two of them together, it's that it's that attention combined with that kind of personal, intimate nature of podcasting. That's what makes it great in general. That's what makes it great for growing a loyal audience. But for teaching in particular, it makes it a really powerful, uh, powerful learning tool. Yeah, it kind of... Um Traditionally, when you think about learning, it can seem or a lot of people have it in their head as it's a kind of grim duty that you must sit down and uh, right now I'm going to learn and that's not fun. But with podcasting, it is a kind of process where you are doing other things and the information is kind of being passively absorbed over time. Um, and you're learning things or, or you might be in having a conversation with someone and something that you heard, you know, weeks ago will crop up in your mind. But you didn't sit down and said, I'm going to learn this thing. Um, which I think is, is really interesting. But also, um, I think it's testament also to the skill and the craft that goes into producing content like that because 
um, to take something that is a bit dry or heavy and, and turn it into something engaging. Um, although it sounds natural and easy when you hear a great podcast host do it, it's not necessarily the, the easiest thing in the world to do if, if you're doing it from scratch. Um, and I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on, you know, if you are launching a podcast where it is a, a show where you want people to learn something from it, but you also want to keep them engaged and entertained. Is there any advice you would have for, for people who'd like to host a show like that? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'm not sure about the majority, but there's certainly a very big proportion of shows out there are education. There's plenty mm-hmm. of comedy shows, plenty of story shows, that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of people, especially folk that will be listening to this, the folk that are really interested in doing a kind of hobby side podcast, they want to teach. You want to, uh, you, you know, if you want to grow a brand, if you're a marketer, even most of them are teaching shows because the only mm-hmm. way you can grow an audience and sell your product <laughs> is by helping people. And that means teaching generally. So, yes, uh, to create a good bit of learning on audio um, that's entertaining, that keeps people engaged. It is tricky, actually. A big part of it is having some good structure. A big part of it is thinking of it like a teacher thinks of a class. Um, and there's there's four parts to that, actually. So first part is the introduction. This is the bit that people get wrong quite often, actually. The fact that when you introduce something, people often think, oh, this just needs to be, you know, a teaser. If I'm teaching something, I just need to give them a little bit of teaser. And it, it can mm-hmm. keep people engaged a little bit. But actually, if you want to teach people successfully, you give them the whole thing right up front in a summary form. You tell them start to end in a really quick way what's coming. You tell them the whole, you tell them the conclusion. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're giving away the punchline you're giving away the end because when people know what's coming they can better process the stuff that they're taking in right now whereas if they don't know what's coming if they don't know the end they're kind of just trying to keep up as they're going it's it's Mm -hmm. called um, scaffolding in sort of um, education circles it's you give them a scaffold it's like a really bare bones view of what they're about to learn and that helps them actually process all the stuff as they're learning it the second part of it, though, is then going into the theory. So that's the bit that you think of as teaching. It's actually going into, you know, the stuff that you're learning. So it's teaching the theory of whatever it is, uh, whatever subject you're covering. So that's the bit that people generally do. That's the bit that most people can do, right? Um, third part, though, that comes after that, that often people miss, and this is about that really engages folk, that really, um, you know, really makes it real for them. And that's to tell a story about it. It's to give, it's to give a case study or a story or an example of when this thing's been put into action. It works really well if you do it for yourself. Like you say, uh, right, I'm going to teach, um, like, here's how you can use uh, Instagram to grow your podcast. Um, here's the theory of it. Here's how you would make a post. Here's how you put it out there. But here's a time that I did it. Here's an example post that I created, the text in it, the pictures I put in it. Here's when I put it out. Here's the engagement I got on it, the results. You give an actual mm-hmm. story of it in real life. That story, that case study, that makes a huge difference because people can see it working. They can imagine it in their heads. They can, you know, they can see that it works in real life. And that makes a big difference. It's putting that learning into the real world. Uh, and actually important, that really engages folk and really encourages them too. Um, if you don't have examples of your own, sometimes you don't have examples of when you've done it. You can use somebody else. Tell an example of when like Coca-Cola did a, an advert on Instagram that worked. Or, you know, just pick something out of the, out of the real world that worked. Uh, mm. The final one, just to tie it up, is the conclusion. Um, obviously, you do a little summary of what we've done, but the big important part in the conclusion is the actions. It's what's people going to get, what are people going to do next? You have to give them a task. So mm. you tell them how do you go and put this into action 
right now. It might be a few steps, it might just be one thing, but you need to give people something to do. Um, and there's a bunch of power in that, a few things that that does. First thing is it actually makes them go and do it. Like if you tell people to go and mm. do it, they're 10 times more likely to actually go and do it. The second part of that is when they do it, they'll get that little hit of success. They'll think, whoa, I got some from this. Something actually happened. I got a wee bit of success. I did something in the real world based on the show. And that just triggers this little endorphin hit related to your show that encourages loyalty, encourages them to come back the next time and listen again. So yeah, so that kind of four-part um, process, that's a big way to really kind of great, create better educational episodes that really bring people back again and again. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that is really interesting because so much of the content out there is that kind of focus and having some kind of clear structure with your podcast. It familiarizes listeners with what, what they can expect from your show. And as you said, they can feel like they've taken something concrete away from it. They can point to something in the real life that they said, this this is why I listen to this show and this is why it's worth me investing my time in it. Um, but one of the things I think as a producer, you, you go to all these lengths of, you know, you format your show correctly. You've got it set up. It, it makes sense the way that you've laid it out. You, you create the show, you record it. And then often it happens, you aren't seeing the engagement that you'd like to see with the podcast. And then the questions come, oh, well, you know, the content's good, but how do I increase my engagement? Um, and I think Obviously, one of the main ways to do that and one of the things we talk about here at Podcast.co is repurposing content for other platforms is really key, especially in the era we live in now of social media. And I've heard you talk elsewhere about your own content stacking method, uh, which I thought was really interesting in terms of playing to the different strengths of each medium. Uh, so you explained that text is great for casting a wide net um, and helping people find your content through Google searches. And then when users land on your website, you can use video as a way to kind of up the level of engagement on the page and give people a way to get to know who you are, see your personality. And then once they know you, your podcast is the place where then you have their attention for a longer period of time. Um, and basically, that's where you can convert these kind of users into loyal fans who, who will continue to, to return to your content. And that makes perfect sense. When you lay it out like that, it, it's obvious that that's a great way to uh, repurpose your content and maximize engagement with it. But also, you know, if you're thinking about trying to create all this additional content for each episode you release, some people might think, oh God, I can't handle that. That workload is too heavy. So I was just wondering if you could walk us through your process that you follow for creating text, video and podcasts as efficiently as possible. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I love talking about this because it's just, it gets so... So many people struggle to be consistent because partly because they're jumping around and doing too many different types of content, try to do video mm -hmm. podcasting and text, but all in different ways. So, uh, yeah, the way I look at it is that we try to get every type of content out of just the one content idea. Mm -hmm. So you have one idea and you get text, video and uh, podcasting out of that one thing. And the way I do that is I generally come up with the plan first. So let's say it's something like, uh, well, I'll go back to the example I said before, how to promote your podcast on Instagram, let's say. So mm -hmm. I'll jot down five to 10 bullet points on that topic. Uh, I'll have, um, you know, an introduction. I'll, I'll do my scaffolding, you know, I'll then have my theory bit. Then I'll do, I uh, probably do a story around it at the time, you know, just the way I just talked about it before, teaching that lesson. I've got my four sections, bullet points in each one. So I've got a plan there. 
I've got my 10 mm-hmm. bullet points. Then what I'll do is, depends on what type of mood I'm in, but I'll either speak first or, or I'll write first. Uh, when I write first, I'll write out the blog post. So I'll write a full-scale blog post on this subject. And then mm-hmm. right away, as soon as I finish writing, I'll pick up the mic and I'll start speaking. And I'll then speak mm-hmm. through that topic. I'll spend 15, 20 minutes talking through that topic. I don't need to read the blog post. I don't even need to look at the bullet points necessarily because I've just spent an hour to an hour and a half ta- thinking through this subject. Right mm-hmm. now in my head, it's really clear. It's really solid. When you do it this way, when you record a podcast episode after writing a blog post on it, it makes for a really tight, really solid, really great podcast episode. It just works really well for some reason because you're kind of processing it twice. Mm-hmm. You can do it the other way though. I have many times recorded a podcast episode and then gone away and written a blog post based on that. Um, and that works similarly too, because when you're speaking, you know, you think through the podcast episode, you think through the content as you're speaking. It's funny how we process things while we talk. So you end up writing a better blog post because you actually come up with ideas as you're speaking through and you're basing this on the plan. So either way, you end up with a podcast episode and a blog post. Um, And actually the three-part process that makes it even better is if you write first, then speak, then go back and edit. Because actually, like I said, you write the blog post, you make a really good podcast episode based on that because you've just thought it all through. But inevitably, you come up with some new ideas as you're talking. (laughs) So Mm, you go back mm. and you add them into the blog post and you add the sort of clarified bits there. So that's really, that's a cool way to get the two of them. Um, Mm. Is it worth going into then? So there's a few different parts of that. Would be, it would be either video next or do you want to go into the gear that I actually use to record that stuff? Um, I think it would be interesting to talk about video and then briefly just the, the kind of gear that you use to, to get the job done. Sure thing. Well, so from a video then, what I've got now is a podcast episode, a blog post. But when I'm recording that podcast episode, I'll record video as well. So I'll have okay. the video camera in front of me. Um, these days I'll use a, a pretty decent DSLR, like a, a proper a big digital camera to record it. I'll have a microphone plugged into the camera. So I've got really good audio using my podcast rig plugged into the camera. Um, and that's actually not that complicated. It's actually pretty easy, but it's it's a wee bit expensive, obviously. You've got to spend maybe five or six hundred pounds on the camera, but it makes for a really good quality video. But mm. there's absolutely no reason you can't do what we're doing right now, which is sitting with a webcam in front of us, um, mm-hmm. like the Logitech uh, 920, I think it is, C920. Uh, really mm. good, high-definition dense, uh, high webcam, and you can record a really good video with that while speaking into your mic too. So you end up with a good quality video with good quality audio alongside it. And what I do is I don't post the whole video. Uh, so you've got your blog post, your podcast is the full story, but the video actually, I'll only I'll cut it up into sections. And this is mm-hmm. where that structure comes in handy because you've got your introduction, which covers the whole subject start to finish, but only in a minute or two minutes. It's a really slick, really you know, overview introduction. You've got that as a Mm. separate section. Then you've got the theory part. That's a video on its own as well, but it's only maybe five or 10 minutes because the whole Mm. show is 20. Then you've got the story. That can be a separate video as well. So you might have that as a separate video on its own. How I put Instagram into action to promote my podcast. And then the Mm. final one is you've got the takeaways. So this would be a video episode on what to do if you want to, (laughs) you know, promote your podcast on Instagram. It's just a solid like two minute video on actions to take to get it done. So you end up with those four Mm. videos 
uh, mm-hmm. from that podcast episode and you publish them all separately because video like we said is it's more of a short attention span medium so that works mm-hmm. quite well so you end up with blog post podcast and three or four videos say so it's a good mm-hmm. chunk of content out of all of that so when you have the videos the four separate videos if you're breaking them down like that would you typically uh, upload them to youtube embed them in the post or where is that different content then being dispersed after it's been created yeah for me i mean youtube's still the king of video mm-hmm. I, I i put all of our videos onto youtube so those segments i put onto youtube but yeah. i do tend to go and find some highlights i'll go in and i'll as i'm editing i'll find maybe uh, like 30 second or one minute segments maybe a couple mm-hmm. of minutes max um actually no generally just 30 seconds or a minute because what i'm going to do with this is cut that out and use it as a highlight on social so yeah, yeah. you can either do it yourself or you can upload to uh, what they're called now headliner one tool yeah. Uh, yeah. wave w-a-v-v-e i think it is as another mm-hmm. tool these tools basically let you upload um a video and just sort of do put a couple of effects on it make it look a bit fancy or even upload just a bit of audio and put a video behind it and then you can post these to social media really easily yeah. so you can use those highlights on facebook on twitter on insta uh and then get your podcast you know get the whole thing promoted as well yeah yeah i remember when i first started seeing those um audiograms crop up in in my social feeds i started thinking oh this is a great idea like why why hadn't this been done more commonly in the past because in the the culture that we're in now that's basically if you just upload a link to your podcast onto social media chances are it's just going to get buried like it can compete with the other things that are on there uh, in terms of grabbing people's attention so it it is a great um i wouldn't say advancement but it is an advancement of sorts in in the podcasting space one of the other things i wanted to talk to you about was uh, your own show podcraft is released in seasons and i know in the past you've discussed you know the benefits of creating a seasonal show both for the host and the audience. So if you could just go into that a bit more. Yeah, for sure. I think I, mean, I think there's so many benefits. For for the host, for a start, for you as a host, it's so much better to create seasons for two main reasons. You've got, you've got planning and you've got sanity. <laughs> so from a planning point of view, like one of the, one of the, one of the worst things about podcasting is that, you know, we start this show and we're all enthusiastic. We're like, yeah, I'm going to do a show about how to do a podcast. I'm so enthusiastic. I love this stuff. And then four weeks later, you're like, oh, I'm doing this every week and I've promised to do it to people forever. I've got to do it forever. Yeah. Uh, with no break ever. Cause that's how podcasts work. You've got to do it every single week forever and ever. Uh, and it's just, it makes you, it drives you insane. It's just, it, mm-hmm. there's not one person in the world can do that for like a year and not get sick of it, at least at some point. You know, you go ebbs and flows, you go up and down on it, but there'll be some points where you wake up and go, I don't want to do a podcast this week. Um, mm-hmm. And a part of that is uh, just sheer, you know, relentless tedium of having to do anything every single week, no matter how fun it is. But the other part is the fact that you have to plan it every single week. You wake up on a Monday morning and you go, right, what topic am I going to write about this week? What will I write about? And you've got to think up something new every single week. If you're doing yeah. a season, though, this fixes two things. First one is the planning. So instead of just thinking up a new topic every week, you think up a topic for the season. So for me, for me maybe it's uh, what gear do you need for podcasting? Uh, and I'll go, right, okay, there's a big question people always ask. How am I going to break this down? Right, I'm going to break it down into its smallest possible parts. So one, microphones. What microphone do you need? 
two, uh, what mixer do you need? Three, what recorder do you need? Four, what software do you need? So there's four just off the top of my head. And mm-hmm. you can go on. There'll be more. In fact, we've got a season and it's about eight episodes on that we broke it down into. You can go even deeper, deeper than that because it could be microphones. Maybe you would go into what USB microphone you need or what uh, XLR microphone you need. You know, you can break it down and down. But the idea is to break it down into chunks that make sense. And like mm-hmm. I said, for our gear one, that turned into eight episodes, which is two months worth of content, you know, if you're doing that weekly. But that means you've got this plan. You spend, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, writing out those bullet points, and then another maybe 10, 20 minutes putting some meat around that, you know, a few bullet points inside each episode. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you've got a plan for eight whole weeks. That means mm-hmm. next Monday when you wake up, you don't have to think of a new subject. You just go and look at your plan. <laughs> so yeah. you've got this plan just sitting there waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, so that's that, one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's 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 like a massive help um just in terms of um because if you most people are trying to balance podcasting with other things in their life, they're not they're not doing it full time. Uh, obviously, some people might have the goal of getting there, but it takes a long uh, a lot of work to get there. And I think with your personal life and your work, there is peaks and troughs naturally. And if you're trying to keep up your podcast and your work is getting incredibly busy and you've got stuff going on in your personal life, it does become unsustainable. And then you have all this guilt about, oh, I've let the podcast go. I haven't published an episode. But if you can just say, I'm going to do it in seasons, this is a time where I haven't got much going on. I can reasonably expect it to get it done. Um, I think, yeah, it's a great option. Yeah. And that leads then to the end of the season, which saves your sanity even more, which is to take a break. Like you can Mm. legitimately take a a month off and not feel guilty about it and not lose audience members either, as long as you communicate it, as long as you tell audience members, your listeners, right, we're going to, that's the end of the season. We're going to disappear for four weeks. We'll be back on, you know, August 1st. And that's it. As long as they know what's coming, people don't disappear. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a big one really. And it, there's a cool benefit there as well in that when you're taking those breaks, it's a really good chance to ask for feedback, to ask the listeners, what did you enjoy about that? What did you like? What did you not like? What should we change for next season? What do you want us to mm-hmm. talk about on the next season? And the listeners yeah. have got then, you know, four weeks to get in touch with you. You've got four weeks to collate that feedback, to refresh yourself, to take a break, to plan the next season and to come back excited uh, and, you know, change things up. Like it's a great chance to change things up and put some variety into your show too. So yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of benefits. Yeah, just a chance to kind of be reflective rather than constantly running on the treadmill trying to to keep up with the pace of content. Definitely, yeah. Um, Improving it every single season, changing things up, finding out what they like is is great. Yeah. Um, It's interesting, actually, that previously you you brought up this um, example of how to promote your podcast on Instagram because one of the questions that I I had was specifically related to to Instagram. Um, So... One of the things that I've seen um, more and more podcasters do recently is using the ask a question feature on the Instagram stories um, to kind of host these AMA sessions with their listeners. And I think that kind of personal interaction is one of those key things that can turn a listener into a loyal fan um, and and, an evangelist for your podcast. If they feel that they can interact with you in some way and they can get a response from you, it kind of builds that sense of connection. Um, But I was wondering, other than that Instagram 
ask a question feature. Are there other ways that you found to be effective for engaging with listeners in, in a personal way and building that sense of connection? Because obviously you can't respond to every message and every email that comes in once your podcast get, gets past a certain size. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... <laughs> Some people are not fans of this at all, but I I think in using the right context, the live podcasting can work really well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you can do it in a few ways. I mean, the basic way is that you just get on uh, Facebook Live or Periscope or something like that. Instagram Live, I'm talking Instagram, uh, mm -hmm. and you just start speaking. You have a plan ahead of time, but you just start talking and you put that out there. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily... I think to do a good live podcast, it has to be broken up a little bit, actually, because evergreen, good evergreen content is not the same as good live content. Good live content, you're interacting with the fans a lot, like that engagement you're talking about, that kind of AMA type approach works brilliantly, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily make for good evergreen content because nobody wants to hear who this person that's in the crowd is who they are what their name is where they're from like what their exact problem is right now uh, they want to hear something that's timeless so I often think you have to split it up so um, an AMA, AMA can work for a really good content actually as long as the questions are all relatively general not too personal but what mm -hmm. you can do is pick a subject so um let's say it's promoting a podcast like here's the three best ways to promote your podcast this year uh you say in the live session right hey everyone welcome to the live session you have like five minutes of talking to folk welcoming in wondering where they're from all that kind of stuff uh but then you say right for five minutes let's have a wee quick chat about what problems you have with promoting your podcast what uh, ways have you found work for you you know um what have you done out there that's really grown your audience over a short period of time and you chat to people on the live broadcast about that. You get some ideas. You already have a bit of a plan in the background because you have to prepare for it anyway. But you add to that plan some of the feedback you get from the audience. Then you tell the audience, right, OK, cool. We're going to go into the content now. I'm going to spend the next 10, 15 minutes just going through the episode. I'm going to I'm going to deliver the episode and this is going to be what goes in the podcast. If you want to stick with me, that'd be brilliant. I'd love you to keep watching. And what we'll do is at the end, after I've delivered it, we'll do an AMA or we'll do a question and answer session or something like that. I'm not going to respond to the comments while I'm doing the content. But like I said, stick around and we'll chat afterwards. And then you speak for 15 minutes, you deliver the podcast. The great thing about that is that you then get better content because it's, you know, it's powered by the feedback you've had from the audience before. You can put some of the stories in, you know, the stories we're talking about that really engage people. Mm -hmm. You can say, oh, I was just talking to, uh, to Betty and she just told me that she'd done this one thing and this is what it did for her. Mm -hmm. And then you press stop and you go into the question and answer at the end. So it's a way of really engaging the audience while also getting really good content out of it. And I think that is a, is a good way to, to sort of grow that loyal audience that come back again and again. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, the key to, to a successful podcast is finding a way to, to build up that loyalty and um, make sure that your listeners will come back after time if they, they feel a personal connection with you. Um, yeah, it's funny. Podcasting is rarely a, a kind of breakout success. Like, there's not many shows mm -hmm. out there have grown from zero to a hundred thousand no, listeners no. in a couple of months. It's yeah. a long-term thing, isn't it? It's hard work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the key to growing long-term is to keeping the listeners that find you. Because if yeah, it's yeah. growing slow, if it's growing over time, if you lose people, it's quite a big setback. So you need to keep them loyal. You need to engage them. You need to get like get them stick around. 
Mm, that's really interesting. Um, so I'm mindful of your time now, Colin, and I just wanted to kind of close by asking you a final question. Uh, as we're approaching the end of the year 2019, um, uh, what is there anything that you think in 2020 will be a big um, development within the podcasting space or any trends that you think are particularly interesting that we might see emerge over the coming year? Do you know, I, I am a, I'm useless for the future gazing type stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's not easy. But I don't know. I think, uh, you know, pe- people are always banging on about the renaissance of podcasting, the growth and all that, the kind of breakout of the, of the medium. I think we've been growing slow and steady, slow and steady. And um, the last year has been really interesting, though, in that there's there has definitely been a lot more bigger brands coming into this space in the last year. There's been a lot more technology, like going to podcast movement this year, there was way more like solutions, way more small tools popping up. Mm -hmm. I think the next year is going to be a big one for um, a lot of the new tools actually taking over from the old ones. I think because of the growth, because of the new people coming into it, a lot of the older platforms are actually lagging behind a fair bit at the moment Mm -hmm. and are going to be taken over by the newer ones. So I think there's going to be a big movement um, of longer-term podcasters. I think of Mm -hmm. the, you know, the 700,000 podcasts out there, I don't know how many are active, like a couple of hundred thousand or something like that. There's a big chunk of them are still on really old platforms, just doing it the same way they always have. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm planning for this coming year is a lot of content on how to move from X to X. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think there's (laughs) going to be a lot of people doing that. Um, So I don't know if that's exactly what you were looking for, but I do think that's, I think that's a big trend in podcasting right now is um, the, a lot of the old guard are going to have to be really careful. Otherwise they're going to get left behind. Makes sense. Thanks again for taking the time to talk with us, Colin. Uh, And where can our listeners hear more from you if if they'd like to learn more? They're welcome to go along too. If you want to just uh, see some of our content on podcasting, it's over at thepodcasthost.com. Uh, and yet, a search for our podcast, Podcraft, Podcraft, on any of the random, uh, any of the standard podcast listening platforms. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thanks, Colin. Thanks for having me.